The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Time to go to the United States of America, as is Tuesday, and talk to Marion McKeown and Cal Thomas. But before we hear from them, let's hear a very iconic broadcast 60 years ago tomorrow, where Walter Cronkite announced the death on CBS of... President John F. Kennedy, November 22nd, 1963. And the silence in the middle of this clip is where Cronkite tries to get control of his emotions and move on with the bulletin. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, Presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. Marion McKeown, there's a piece you've written which is on the Business Post website under the headline, Voters Yearn to Resurrect the American Dream that Died That Day. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that at this year, particularly Americans are, the, the American mood is so downcast, so dumb. They are looking into the face of an election next year with two old men, neither of whom they want to be president. And it seems like there's no idealism. There's no optimism. There's none of that energy that people associate with John F. Kennedy. And I think as a result, we have in a bizarre flip switch that nobody would have seen coming, we have Robert F. Kennedy, who is now running, Junior, I beg your pardon, who is now running as a candidate, the 69-year-old son of Robert F. Kennedy, who was also assassinated. And he's running as an independent candidate. At the moment, he's polling around 22%. And my theory is that this has nothing to do with his candidacy or what he's proposing, although he is attracting a couple of wingnuts and conspiracy theorists. But it's more symbolic of a yearning that America has at the moment for a return to what it sees as its its glory days, as you know, when America was really, I think a lot of people think it peaked around then. You know, the idealism they put a man on the moon. It seemed like there was nothing America couldn't do. That it was a booming young country, and I think now that people are looking at Joe Biden, who you know has been a decent president, but he is eighty one and he does show signs of physical and and some cognitive decline. And Donald Trump, who is seventy seven, who I mean, God knows what's wrong with his brain. I, 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 I wouldn't be able to diagnose it, but who's also a bitter, vindictive old man and that neither of them seem to be offering Americans what they want. But I'm not sure that America even knows what it wants at the moment. And, you know, there, so there is this nostalgia. There is this sort of like we had that crazy conspiracy theory uh, two or three years ago where um, a bunch of QAnon people believed that John F. Kennedy Jr., the son of John F. Kennedy, um, was going to re-emerge and appear at Dealey Plaza at a certain date and become Trump's vice president and put him back in the White House. You know, that's the level of craziness now. But, but I think, as I say, there is this palpable sense of dissatisfaction, of ennui in America, and that people are looking at this election and going, dear God, you know, is this okay. the best we can do? Cal- we're the 60s, 60 years ago, and even going throughout the rest of that decade, up to putting a man on the moon in 1969. Lyndon B. Johnson as the successor to 
John F. Kennedy uh, put him through the most important legislation to give rights to the minorities in the United States. Was that the golden halcyon era, golden halcyon era to which the United States should seek to return? Well, as Thomas Wolfe wrote uh, famously, you can't go home again. And as Marion wrote in her excellent piece, which I commend to everybody if they haven't read it, uh, this Camelot myth was created by Jackie Kennedy uh, just uh, a few days or weeks after the president's assassination. I want to say something about this because I was alive at the time. I was a 20-year-old copy boy at NBC News. I knew exactly where I was the moment I heard the news. I can go back to that spot even today, and remember the exact location and the stoplight I was at. I rolled down my windows. You didn't have power windows then. shows you how old I am. On both sides and started yelling to people on both sides of me, the president's been shot. The president's been shot. We didn't have social media or instant communication then. When I got into NBC News headquarters in Washington, uh, there were people who were coming in who had not had their radios on and didn't know about it. I was I told them, and, and I could see the ashen look on their face. I mean, this was, Kennedy was the first president I ever saw in person. And uh, he and uh, Senator Van Oker, who was covering the Kennedy White House and covered the Kennedy campaign, were partially responsible for my great interest in going into journalism. And, uh, you know, I, Kennedy started the Peace Corps, which was a very, very positive uh, thing that uh, helped overcome the ugly American stereotype. Uh, he did some other good things, too, but unfortunately also almost got us in the nuclear war in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, of course, the press covered up his uh, multi-affairs. Uh, uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, inspiration is important for any president. And I think people are looking for that, and they're not seeing it in the next election. And it's very, very sad. Uh, Cal, can I also ask you about you know the reaction of the American people to Kennedy's death at the time? Because you had many presidents who had been assassinated previously, but did this maybe have an impact? You say you didn't have social media then, but he was the first assassination, wasn't he, of the television era? That his presence was familiar in many people's houses and many people had also seen him in person as he travelled around the United States. Did that make it different to the news in previous generations of the assassination of other American presidents? Well, it made a difference of another kind too, uh, Matt. Uh, in his inaugural address, he said famously, the torch has been passed to a new generation. You had Dwight Eisenhower, the hero of World War II, and uh, the, the designer of the Normandy invasion, which uh, began the, the freeing of Europe from the Nazis, but uh, an, an old man. And Kennedy uh, represented in the minds of another generation of people, younger people like myself, uh, vigor and uh, health and uh, lots of hair and a beautiful wife. And he, he brought in such class into the White House, uh, famous uh, orchestras and famous uh, cellos, cellos and and, and uh, Mrs. Kennedy, of course, was a patron of the arts. And uh, so many, many, and the, and the uh, social structure in Washington began to explode with many, many parties being given. And unlike today, Republicans and Democrats getting to know each other. I think this, uh, this horrible tragedy cut across all political lines, Matt. And uh, people were openly weeping, whether they were Republicans or Democrats. It was a very sad day and one I'll never forget as long as I live.
Okay, well, let's move back to the current day and the two contenders to be the next president. If we leave uh, Robert F. Kennedy's uh, campaign aside, the two real contenders, the incumbent Joe Biden and the challenger, uh, the man who faces so many criminal charges as well in the near future, Donald Trump. But let's start with Joe Biden, Marion, because... Surely the Democrats must be looking at his approval rating slumping to a new low, his ability to confuse Taylor Swift and Britney Spears and be saying, ah, come on, lads, we must have somebody else, some man or woman who would be a more credible candidate in the next presidential election. Well, hang on now, Matt. Are you suggesting that because Joe Biden can't tell who Britney Spears versus Taylor Swift is, that he shouldn't be running the country? No, but he he shouldn't probably be attempting to bring them into his conversations if he doesn't know who they are. You know what? Well, I think, you know, in a way, and I am not, this, I'm nitpicking here, but in, in a joking way, I mean, he did say it's very hard to get a ticket for a Britney concert. Well, it is very hard because she's not touring. <laughs> so he's right about that. But look, you know what? Um, this was another of the Biden gaffes. And, and yeah, you're right. Like He does come across as being slightly out of touch. He's very slow moving. He's slow speaking, um, largely because of the stutter that he has um struggled with, you know, defeating all of his life and all credit to him on that. Uh, so the polls, the polls, you know, I, I don't pay that much attention to the polls. And since, you know, there is one that shows that he's at his lowest rating ever and that, you know, what, and it does seem, look, it's too late now. The, the, basically, the cake is in the oven. They're, the Democrats are not going to replace Joe Biden. They're not going to replace Kamala Harris. This is the ticket. You cannot turn around a ship this big, you know, at, at this point. Why not? Why old. not, Marion? There have because been plenty of cases before where candidates emerged six months out and swept into power. Because, the okay, let's leave aside the details, the technical stuff about having, you know, people on the ballot. Biden's already on the ballot in most of the states. The DNC is behind that. Yeah, if something happens, Joe Biden, God forbid, if, you know, if he could not run, then they would have to do it. But at the moment, you you would unleash this sort of free for all. And I don't know that there is anyone that they could bring in at this stage. You know, Gavin Newsom is losing support in in California. at the moment because he's got his eye too much it's seen as being on the presidential prize even though he's not you know challenging Biden in any way I don't think that any of the people that could be we could be looking at like Gretchen Whitmer who I think is plausible J.B. Pritzker from Illinois is also plausible I don't think they would have the time to get their acts in gear and to and there's also a belief that really that it is Biden who may be able to beat Trump and I think that there's still that belief and if you look at there's a difference between what these polls are saying and what elections are saying, Biden in the midterms had the best midterm results since John F. Kennedy for any Democrat president. That's going back 60 years. Yeah, he, wasn't on, he wasn't on the ballot papers. It was locals and individuals. Seeing, um, that people are liking what they're seeing with, with Biden. They do not, they did not want the Trumpian clones in, you know, coming into Congress and coming into the Senate. They made that abundantly clear. Uh, the elections just a week ago, okay, they were to do an abortion, but the Democrats did pretty damn well in the office season elections. So let's see, there's a new poll out as well by Harvard, which has just come out, which shows that his approval rating is going up on jobs in the economy, the Harvard Caps poll, Harris poll, and that that's now at 45% up from 41, and that he's at 
half of those polled now, 50% are showing that they approve of his handling of jobs, of creating jobs. Uh, so, you know, pick your poll. I, I don't think any of them mean anything this far okay, out. Okay, really what do you don't. make it? Do you think, Cal, that the polls do actually mean something and that they show Joe Biden's in trouble? Well, they have been wrong on numerous occasions in the past, uh, Matt, or we would have had a president, Hillary Clinton, and uh, several other people who lost. And, and a lot of people don't tell pollsters what they really think. They lie or they say, uh, yeah, I'm going to vote for this guy because it makes me sound uh, feel better about myself. And then when Election Day comes, they vote for somebody else or stay home. So it's a very fluid situation at the moment. But the polls also that both parties don't want either candidate. I said on last week's show, and I believe it in my heart, that we need a serious reform in the way we select our presidents. The primary system was supposed to get us out of these smoke-filled rooms with the professional politicians uh, selecting uh, the candidates from each party. As this primary stuff goes on with the extremes in both parties being nominated, uh, the old smoke-filled room is looking better all the time. Okay, but what about then, Cal, Trump's claims to be in excellent health? He's this man who's only two and a half years younger than Joe Biden, which ain't exactly a whole hill of beans in the difference, claims excellent health. But we know he's a proven liar. So should we take any uh, cognizance of that? Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, I think Joe Biden put out a uh, or his doctors put out a 15 page report that included everything, including his uh, blood pressure, his his, uh, uh, many other uh, physical attributes. And uh, this is a one pager for Trump. Yeah, I want to. I'd like to see the cognitive results. I like. I think I agree with Nikki Haley. I think everybody who's running for president, who's seventy years older, older, needs to take a cognitive test. They owe it to the American people. We spoke of John Kennedy earlier. We knew that he covered up, and his doctors covered up his uh, several health problems. Uh, Lyndon Johnson had health problems. Uh, there are other people who've had health problems. Woodrow Wilson, you go back to him, his, uh, his wife is effectively running the country after he had a stroke. I mean, the American people and the world, for that matter, uh, need to know that their president or somebody who wants to be president is fit enough uh, to be president. It's the most uh, highly pressured job that anybody could have in the world, and you've got to be up to it. Okay, uh, very briefly, Marion, um, how significant a person was the former U.S. First Lady Rosalind Carter, who died this week, age 96? Well, you know, it's amazing because here in the States, there's been such an outpouring for a a first lady who basically was not in the White House for 43 years. She was a really influential woman. I have to say on a personal note, I remember when I was starting out in journalism, I wrote a piece um, about Jimmy Carter's presidency. And I think he was in Ireland for something. And I got a, a letter from Jimmy and Rosalind Carter saying how much they enjoyed the piece. And I was shocked. Like, this was a former uh, president. That they were oh sucking up to you. You shouldn't be uh, proud of your subject <laughs> sucking up but, to you, Marion. But, but, you know, I actually thought she did this, though, apparently not. You know, I think she probably sent a million similar letters where they would. All, they were such a gracious couple, not just of, you know, what they did. Like, as soon as they left the White House, they, you know, they've spent the last, what, 43 years totally engaged in just working for the benefit of other people, building houses, humanitarian issues, mental health. Uh, I was at their, the, in Plains where they live. Their house was so modern. 
modest. And they're really, if you look at the past presidents now, like from Reagan onwards, they just monetized their past presidency. They were getting millions of dollars for speeches and travel and this and that. And all of the, not just Reagan, you know, every... Clinton, Obama, Democrats. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, Obama's just seems to be tooling around on on yachts with his VIP buddies. You know, they they just don't seem to have the same... Okay, uh, let's give Carl the last word on Rosalind Carter and Jimmy Carter because one listener says, oh, her husband was a woeful president. Was he really? Yeah. Well, uh, Rosalind Carter uh, did a lot to uh, draw attention to mental health, something that continues to be a problem in the United States. I knew her a little bit. I knew her husband better because I went to church with him. I thought it would be fascinating to go to church with the president of the United States. He taught a Sunday school class. I even taught it once with him. Uh, there. Uh, they were a decent couple. There was never any scandal associated with them. And uh, But he was clearly, in my view, and the view of historians now, uh, in over his head when it came to the presidency. Let me just say something uh, finally here. We have our Thanksgiving Day, our annual celebration coming up in uh, two days on Thursday, Matt. And Abraham Lincoln uh, instituted this in 1863 in the middle of the Civil War. Uh, And while acknowledging the divisions that had been caused in the Civil War, he still uh, uh, issued some positive statements within that. And I just want to say how thankful I am for you, Matt. And you know I think you're the greatest presenter I ever saw. And, Marion, I'm grateful for our friendship. I am, Marion, and I think now is the time for you to admit that all these years you've had a secret crush on me. Oh, Cal, everyone knows that. (laughs) <laughs> it's not a secret <laughs> thank you Cal again as ever for being with us and Marion The Last Word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4.30 Today.